Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Good morning. It's Friday, August 26th. Some of the uh, big stories we're covering, uh, that affidavit that uh, we've been talking about that backed up the FBI search of Mar-a-Lago will be released today on 9 o'clock our time. We'll talk about it uh, or maybe not because uh, it may actually have nothing in it except, except a bunch of big black boxes that cover up uh, 95% of uh, the verbiage. Uh, Let's uh, talk for a moment about uh, what happened yesterday. Uh, We ended the show, or during the show, uh, I had mentioned that uh, today, uh, the uh, state of California, the Air Resources Board, was going to vote to uh, pass the regulation that the 2035 model cars that are sold in the United States have to be all electric or sold in California have to be all electric. And that's a point I want to bring up. And uh, it was unanimously approved. And uh, we're going to go to zero emission vehicles sold by 2035. And then uh, it's incremental. It goes up uh, to, I think, 16% by 2026, uh, 35% uh, by uh, 2028, and then 100% percent by 2035 and so uh automakers are going to have to gradually electrify their fleet of new vehicles all right so with that being said uh, i want to dive into it uh, a little bit deeper first of all this is the first regulation of a state or any government in the world to do this and what a shocker california is at the top of uh, the heap on that one now it's not just california uh These kinds of bills that are passed, these kinds of regulations, are followed very closely by about 16 states that just go right in line in lockstep. So we're talking about a very big percentage of uh, the United States selling cars that are going to be zero emission by 2035. However, a couple of things are going on. First of all, the president and CEO of the Alliance for Automotive Innovation, a trade group representing automakers, they're in favor of this, which is interesting because when it came to seatbelts, when it came to safety features, when it came to uh, the, uh, what do they call the, uh, the safety crush zone in a car, they fought it all like crazy. With this one, they're saying we agree. The problem is it's going to take maybe a longer time. Uh, We can maybe not achieve uh, that limit, can't achieve that goal uh, because of, well, 
infrastructure, inflation, supply chains, uh, the com- uh, semiconductor shortage, and that's not our issue. Uh, but we're in favor of that one. And then there are some environmental advocates who say we haven't gone far enough and this is terrible. Yeah, but that's sort of a given. Now, let's talk for a moment about uh, these cars. Uh, first of all, electric cars, and we're moving in that direction. California now buys 43% of all the electric cars manufactured in the United States. And we have 12% of the population. So uh, we're well on our way. Uh, but here are some problems. Uh, you're going to see, and right now, actually, we see that cars are at a premium. New electric cars cost anywhere from $25,000 to $180,000. Uh, it's easy to get the $150,000 cars. Not so easy to get the $25,000. And right now, the markups are $10,000, $15,000 for these cars. Uh, Another problem is, or another, instead of a problem, let me go into the benefits of the cars. Not only is uh, the issue, the environmental issue, but uh, you save a bucket of money in maintenance because you just don't maintain them. Electric motors, there's no pistons, there's none of that. It's just an electric motor that drives these things. So operation expenses, of course, no gas, and uh, the Air Resources Resources Board says charging them, of course, is much cheaper. But, uh, and this one kind of shocked me, I thought charging them was just a tiny fraction of of use of fuel, if you will. It's about half as much, half as much. So here's a point I want to make. And uh, this may go a lot longer than uh, anybody anticipates for a couple of reasons. One, uh, it's 2035, that's when the cars stop being sold that are internal combustion cars in the state of California. How long do people keep cars? 15 years sometimes? We have to go through all of those that are on the road before we're all electric. And then you still like the internal combustion car, just buy one in Arizona. Buy one in Oregon. They're not going to stop you from bringing it into California. Now, you're going to pay tax. And people used to drive in, let's say, from Oregon where they have no sales tax. But then California got wise to that. And so what they did is pass, quote, a use tax. Can't charge you sales tax. is not sold here, but we can charge you use tax for the use of your car, which, strangely enough, is identical to the sales tax. So... We're talking about the cars that are already on the streets in 2035. We're talking about cars that can be brought in from outside the state. So this may go a lot slower than a lot of people anticipate. Is it a good thing? Of course it's a good thing. Uh, But I don't think we're going to see a real dent. And I mean a massive uh, of the cars taken off the streets for years after 2035. That's all. It's just going to take longer uh, than we think it is. Everybody thinks uh, 2035, that's it. We're going to get rid of uh, all the cars except for electric cars on the road. Uh, Not true. Big news also, uh, national import, is that uh, the affidavit regarding the warrant that was served on the president at Mar-a-Lago, grabbing uh, those documents uh, that... The FBI says, or the Attorney General, actually, the uh, 
Department of Justice said were illegally shipped or illegally taken to Mar-a-Lago. And that has huge political import. So I want to talk a little bit uh, sort of about the background and what we're going to see today at 9 a.m. when the uh, affidavit is released. Yesterday, I had said, and I was just, you know, parroting and telling everybody exactly what the general consensus was out there, that if the judge releases the affidavit, and there was some doubt, and there's some reasons that he is going to and, and doing so so quickly, if he was going to release that affidavit, uh, it would be so redacted. In other words, uh, the parts that are not going to be made public are going to be virtually, I would guess, 95% of it. You're going to see pages in which all you're seeing is marked out, you know, these black uh, rectangles covering up words through the entire page. And that's what's going to be seen. And the decision uh, by the judge, uh, Bruce Reinhardt, came literally hours after the Justice Department submitted its proposal for extensive redactions. The judge said, we're going to release it, and I want to see the redactions. I want to see what you propose. And so the Justice Department went ahead and sent the uh, redactions, and literally within hours, which almost never happens, the judge came back and said, I'm okay with uh, the cuts. I'm okay with those redactions. And much more quickly than uh, the government lawyers expected, He found that the Justice Department proposed redactions uh, were, quote, narrowly tailored to serve the government's legitimate interests. And he bought it. He goes, I'm not going to change anything. He has a right to do that. And he said uh, these redactions were the least onerous alternative to sealing the entire affidavit. I mean, I have the right to seal all of it, which usually happens. And he said, nope, I'll release it. And he understood uh, that when uh, a search uh, is uh, instituted against government documents that are uh, at a former president's home, that's a different animal than your normal search warrant. And it needs more transparency. You have to just be much more careful. And it turns out, and there's no surprise, that this entire investigation, the documents... Uh, are emerging as a major threat to the former president. As a matter of fact, CNN just reported uh, that the president is hunched over with his advisors and lawyers right now, figuring out how he's going to deal with it. The attorney general's trying to balance uh, protecting the prosecutorial process and still providing enough information to defend his decision to request that search. Because the political attack, of course, the second the raid happened, it was a political witch hunt. That's it. It had nothing to do with the validity. It had nothing to do with the documents themselves. It's just, let's get an excuse to attack uh, the former president once again. And it's it's almost academic that those uh, documents were at Mar-a-Lago. I mean, even his supporters say, yes, they were there, and yes, he took them, but that part doesn't matter. Uh, They don't understand the laws. The laws saying you can't do it are ridiculous or they're unconstitutional. And if they are constitutional, the president declassified those documents. Therefore, 
allowing him under law to take them home because he didn't home, take home classified documents. And the argument is, uh, okay, let's look at uh, declassifying documents. Does a president just simply say, after moving out of the White House, after taking uh, secret documents, does he simply say, I declassified them? That's it. No written memos, no signatures on any documents, and usually declassification, I think all the time, every individual document has to be signed off by the president. And he said, I just declassified them. I did it verbally. No one ever heard of those documents being declassified until now. But his supporters saying, see, they were declassified. So uh, the judge recognizing the importance of uh, releasing that affidavit, although even he admitted uh, the redactions, which he in fact accepted, might make uh, this entire affidavit meaningless. Because in reality, we're never going to know uh, exactly what the reason was. I mean, eventually we might, but certainly not now. We'll know after any charges may have been filed, and I have my doubts whether they're going to be filed or not. The affidavit is the basis of the search warrant. When uh, the Department of Justice or police department goes for a search warrant and it goes in front of a judge who has to grant the warrant, There has to be some reason for it. It has to be backed up. Uh, Witnesses have said, we have already discovered evidence that leads us uh, to determine that we need a search of the premises. I mean, there has to come up with a reason, and it has to be pretty valid. I mean, it's not that easy to get a warrant uh, for one of those. And here is a sidebar story, and this I've never seen, but this is typical of what's going on these days. After that search at Mar-a-Lago and the confiscation of those documents, the FBI reported a big surge in threats against its own agents. That's what we're seeing, is uh, that many right-wing nationalists who happen to be Trump supporters, but I don't think— uh, you know, I, I don't think that President Trump or his inner circle is specifically going after those people. They just happen to be Trump supporters. And the argument is that what he does uh, is, in fact, encourage them. I mean, that's a different topic that we uh, will be talking about a lot and have been talking about a lot. But these are the very people that used to admire law enforcement who now, in any attack on the former president, have become enemies that law enforcement are the enemies of the United States. The FBI, the CIA, the police, that's the true enemy of the United States. And those people we have to talk attack. How dare uh, the FBI go in and grab those documents? Nine o'clock, uh, we're going to uh, see that document. I've asked Wayne to quickly read uh, the portion of the affidavit that is allowed to be read and we'll talk more about that coming up something that's going on that uh, i want to talk about and that is uh daca and even the biden administration pushing like crazy to save it can it Uh, the administration is trying again to shore up the deferred action for childhood arrivals daca against uh, legal challenges that are not stopping 
And what's going on is uh, we're we're seeing the Biden administration's commitment to the program and the fix they have. Well, it's kind of jerry rigged. Uh, It's not a perfect fix. Uh, They're just moving around uh, navigating through the pieces. There is a 450 page final rule. And that's an important uh, distinction. It's not a law. It's a rule that has been issued by the administration, and it becomes effective October 31, and it would formally codify DACA as a federal regulation, but not as a law, because Congress won't touch it. And it's going to offer current dreamers, uh, well, not a whole lot of immediate protection. Doesn't allow any new DACA applications, for example, even though the president said, today we're fulfilling our commitment to preserve and strengthen DACA by finalizing a rule that will reinforce protections like work authorizations that allow dreamers to live more freely. And that's what Biden said in a statement on Wednesday. Well, of course he said that, uh, because no matter how bad anything is, the president always, any president always spins it as a wonder. I mean, the, the economy could be falling apart and President Biden to say, look at this. You know, it's pouring rain outside, but look at the sky. It's blue. That's what presidents do. So all of a sudden, DACA has become this wonder. Well, it hasn't. Not even close. The program was created by former President uh, Obama in 2012 via an executive action. He just signed it which means that any president can unsign it, although there are some restrictions, which I'll talk about in uh, just a moment. The program so far has shielded 800,000 dreamers from deportation and allowed them to apply for work permits. But recent challenges, well, they've put the whole thing in jeopardy. Uh, matter of fact, uh, the uh, Fifth Circuit is about to kill this thing. And... Uh, once this new rule goes into effect, the courts could still strike down the program. Unlawful. The president went beyond his ability. That's uh, the argument here. Uh, however, in order to overturn it, say a Republican president comes in, wants to overturn DACA. You know, there is a really arduous federal rulemaking process which has to go through, which is why when President Trump Uh, wanted to unravel DACA, the court stopped that part of it because uh, the administration didn't follow the rules, didn't follow the policy that was established. And uh, so the new rule replaces the policy guidance that were laid out in the original memo and affirms, says right out, this is not a form of lawful status. But, says DACA recipients are lawfully present in the United States for certain purposes. I mean, it gets a little bit wonky. And it's up to the president, for example, the executive branch, to decide we're not deporting anyone, which is the case right now under DACA. So former President Trump closed DACA to new applicants, but he didn't dismantle it. He tried, but he didn't dismantle the program. After the Supreme Court said, you can't dismantle the program. And so the Biden administration resumed processing new applicants 
and approved some nine, uh, 1,900 individuals for DACA. And guess what? A Texas federal judge stopped that one. The rules stay the same in terms of who can apply. Applicants have to be under the age of 31 as of June 15, 2012, continuously resided in the U.S. since at least June 15, 2007. Uh, eligibility dates are the same. And uh, the new rule actually followed uh, the federal process that was in place. You know, for example, 16,000 comments from the public were uh, accepted and uh, it went through uh, various committees within the government and is following the rules, sort of. The problem is, is that will the president prevail and will Congress ever pass a law? President prevailing, we don't know because the argument is he's going beyond his authority as president. Congress won't touch it. They're just not interested even though, particularly the Republicans, I mean, the Democrats, of course, are in favor of it, but Republicans, the only way the Republicans are going to get involved, they said, is we have to pair that with strong border um, security. And this, the Democrats are saying no to. So, of course, it's a standoff between um, the Republicans and the Democrats. So you're not going to get anything in Congress, even though 72% of Americans believe in the DACA program believe that the dreamer should have the opportunity to be to stay here, work here, even a path to uh, citizenship. Uh, one of the uh, big stories that we've been covering, I mean, uh, around the world is uh, Russia and the uh, war in Ukraine, that Russia ain't doing so good. I mean, it has stalled for the last several weeks. Nothing is going on. And they're running out of people. Their Russia is running out of soldiers. So they've started a nationwide drive to recruit new personnel, new soldiers. Uh, the president, uh, President Putin, is looking to regain the offensive. And he can't do it without soldiers. So uh, he has to replace, replenish thousands of soldiers uh, lost in the war, the war effort. So here we are six months after the invasion. Uh, the military, Russia's military, has lost much of the momentum it had. Uh, but here's a couple of things that Russia has not done. Putin has not done. Uh, declare a national mobilization. The political risk is too high. So what do they do? Well, they're trying. Well, here's some examples. They've plastered ads on billboards all over Russia, websites, which the government controls, on buses. Uh, it's urging Russians to sign up. Mobile recruitment, uh, recruitment centers have popped up. And uh, they're going to, well, mercenary groups, which are paying, prisons, veterans groups, volunteer brigades. I mean, any place, anything they can get without a national mobilization, much like what happened in World War II. And here's why. Russia is stalled. Because of Putin, they're fighting on two fronts. The military wanted to fight on one front, and that is a direct attack on the east, but Putin also wanted an attack from the south. This is eastern Ukraine. And uh, the military analysts now are saying, we just didn't have enough guys. Russia also said in March, 1,300 troops have died. 
And it hasn't updated that figure since March. So it, I, no one has died since March in the war, as far as Russia is concerned. The Pentagon says we're looking at closer to 80,000 Russians that have been killed. So right now, uh, even though it's undermanned, what's going on is Russia is using its hardware, uh, its artillery, uh, its uh, rockets that are going, uh, air attacks, whatever it can. And as far as the number of troops, U.S. estimating Russia has about 190,000 combat troops on the border with Ukraine. Uh, and in March, virtually all of them had gone into the Ukraine. However, the military analysts are saying, no, no, the figure is a lot lower. It's not 190,000. It's below 100,000, maybe 80,000. And Russia has a total of 900,000 people and men in the uh, service. 300,000 of them combat ready, ready to go. The rest, well, they're doing, uh, they're in in country, they're in bases, they're doing border patrol. Uh, Russia has a 14,000 mile border, so you can imagine that is. And what Russia is doing is still maintaining public support. For the war, and one of the reasons is that they're not conscripting conscripting uh, soldiers for the war. By the way, uh, the support for the war is still very, very strong in Russia. Well, because Putin controls all the media. Let me give you an example real quickly of uh, what they're doing. There's a newspaper ad in a town just south of Moscow. Calls on the citizens to, quote, defend the motherland. You defend Russia by going into Ukraine. Offering a salary of the equivalent of $6,300 a month. You know how much money that is in Russia? That's insanity. Also, a state benefit package, a chance to receive a home. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that they're offering. Now, that's the high end, but the low end is still a couple of thousand dollars a month. Now, I don't know what the average uh, income is in Russia, uh, but it ain't $6,300 a month. I guarantee you uh, that's the case. Prisoners are uh, reporting that they've been coerced into signing up. Uh, they're um, being told that uh, their prison sentences will be expunged. Uh, they're told they could become security guards, be awarded medals, uh, get uh, extra money uh, if they serve. So right now, uh, when you look at everything, uh, Russia is um, in trouble militarily. And what's happening with Ukraine? Ukraine right now has more men than it knows what to do with. They're in great shape. And with the weapons that are coming in from all over the world, the Western world plus the United States, Ukraine is probably in a better position than it has been since the start of the war. So I guess that is very good news. Coming up, Steve Gregory is joining us. We're going to talk about a few things and next episode of Unsolved. This is KFI AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.